What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you're having a fantastic day. It is Wednesday, so you know we're going to be talking nothing but hoops. Obviously, we're going to cover Wimby. It is Wimby Wednesday. There's another young player that I want to highlight, and then ESPN released their top 25, under 25 list yesterday. There's been a lot of buzz about that on Twitter. I want to get into that as well. It's a great show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Victor Wimbanyama, the most anticipated prospect since LeBron James. Did this last week. Going to do this every Wednesday. We're going to track his progression. Uh, We're calling it the Wimby Wednesday Power Rankings, just ranking his various skills and tracking them over the course of the season. Week 1, which was last week, of the Wimby Wednesday Power Rankings was capped off with Victor Wimbanyama helping the Spurs complete a comeback to beat the Suns 115-114. Two nights later, this is on Thursday night, so six days ago. The Suns and the Spurs played again. And if you're anything like me, you went into that game expecting the Suns to come out and absolutely dominate the Spurs, right? Devin Booker was back in the lineup. They'd blown a 20-point lead the night, you know, two nights ago. Um, you know, they had a real opportunity, the Suns did, at revenge for something that happened 48 hours ago. And then... Wimby had the best game of his short NBA career. He went for 38 points in 34 minutes, 58% shooting, also grabbed 10 boards, and continued to wreak havoc on the defensive end of the floor as he's done since the moment he stepped into the league. He only had two blocks, but, you know, if you watch him, he's just a constant deterrent around the rim and really everywhere that he is because it feels like he blocks everything. He goes crazy. Twitter's buzzing with thoughts on Wimby. Uh, There's a lot of trolling of Shaq because Shaq came out and said the absolutely ridiculous thing about Bol Bol and Wimby being similar. Because if you watch that game, you found out very quickly that they are not at all similar. And as I was watching that game and really just Wimby throughout this past week, we can no longer ask the question of who is the new attraction going to be after Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and LeBron James retire when they ride off into the sunset and they're no longer a part of our lives, you know, for 90 games a year. It's it's going to be Wimby, okay? He's the future. He's only 19. He's kind of the new thing that people want to see, just like LeBron when LeBron came into the league. And I think the most impressive part, the most impressive thing I've seen from Wimby so far, and I think everybody would agree, was that Thursday night game against the Suns. At the age of 19, for 48 minutes, he was the best player in an NBA game. Not only was he the best player in the game, he was better than Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, two of the best players in the NBA right now. Okay, and you know his performances got worse throughout the week because you're only coming down after a game like that against the Suns. He wasn't good against the Pacers on Monday night. Um, you know he was good, not great against the Raptors uh, on Wednesday. Was that on Friday, Saturday, maybe? Whenever they played the Raptors, he was okay. I didn't think he was great. I didn't think he was bad either. If he can just become a little bit more consistent, he's going to be a top 25 player in the NBA really soon. Uh, I think that's definitely attainable by the end of the year. Okay, And the leap from week one to week two is why I believe that. Okay, He has improved a lot Okay, from his first four games to his last three games. It's been really impressive. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a top 25 player in the near future. 
Let's get to the six skills that I rank about for Wemby every single week. Let's start with playmaking. I have that at six. It was ranked at five last week. Even though it dropped in the ranking, he was much improved in taking care of the basketball. Okay, During the first week of the season, Wemby was averaging 4.8 turnovers a game, so just under five a game. I don't have to tell you how bad that is. This week, however, he cut it down to only two turnovers a game. That is a much-needed improvement over such a short period of time. And I think that the most important, or excuse me, most impressive part about it is the Spurs have run more offense through him in Week 2 compared to Week 1 of the season. So with more touches, he's turned the ball over less. Can't ask for much more than that. His assist numbers went up as well. Not much. He was at 1.5 during Week 1 to 2 a game in Week 2. In an increased offense role, it makes sense. I think he's done a good job of hanging on to the ball and setting up his teammates. There's still room for improvement. Some of the passing placement isn't great, but the idea is there. Like He sees it. It's just about executing the pass. Number five, I've got his rebounding. It was at four last week. You know, the, Even though the numbers went up, I had to drop it down one because we're going to get to why we had to drop it down one here, here in a minute. Uh, but the rebounding numbers went up. I think part of that has to do with he defended centers a little bit more uh, this this week, as opposed to the first week of the season, you know he's still primarily defending power forwards, but for short short sport short spurts, you know he defended uh, Jakob. Uh, I always say his name wrong. Uh, I always want to say Poetel. That's not how you say it. He's the center for the Raptors. He defended him for a bit. Um, Miles Turner. He defended him a little bit when they played the Pacers. Um, but here's the thing: rebounding. A lot of it is just about positioning and effort. And Wimby gives a lot of effort, especially on the offensive glass. You kind of see him lurk along the perimeter, and then he'll glide He'll glide at the rim like a freaking gazelle as he looks for opportunities to have you know, a put-back, a put-back dunk or anything like that. I'd like to see him try a little bit more on, on the defensive glass. A lot of times, though, you'll see him run out and look to get position early, which is fine. But i got to be honest, I love it when him or any other bigger player is able to grab a rebound and run. It allows them to create mismatches in transition. That's part of why the Warriors are so tough. Draymond Green grabs a rebound and he takes off and everybody's scrambling to find Steph or Clay or whoever. I'd like to see Wimby incorporate that a little bit more into his game. Then again, he's only played seven games. I'm sure that it'll come with time. Number four, fourth-ranked skill here. I've got his finishing, which was ranked third last week. The finishing around the rim continues to be awesome. Uh, he's shooting 75% within 3 feet of the basket, which isn't at all surprising. He's shooting 53% from 3 to 10 feet away from the basket. Guy's an absolute monster in the paint. He continues to finish with great touch around the rim. Obviously, the length really helps with that. Uh, he didn't put anybody on the poster this week, which kind of sucks. Um, he was just consistently good with 2 feet in the paint. Okay, I'd like to see him get 2 feet in the paint a little bit more often. Still, only 38% of his shots are coming from within 10 feet. Uh, Even though he shot the ball a lot better this week, it's hard to not want him to get to the rim more, especially given the efficiency that he's shown from the painted area. Number three, the shooting, which was ranked sixth last week. So we went from the least impressive thing about him to the third most impressive thing about him this week. And of all the things that improved from week one of the season to week two, It was the shooting. Almost everything went up. The only thing that didn't increase was his field goal percentage, which was at 46% both weeks. But his shot attempts per game increased from 12.5 a game to 18 a game. Okay, so on 5.5 more shots per game, his field goal percentage stayed the same. 
that is a great sign. He took more threes this week as well, going from five a game last week to six. His three-point percentage went from 26% during the first week of the season to 39% in week two. After shooting 70% from the foul line on five a game in week one, he shot 83% from the foul line in week two on more free throw attempts a game. If he's going to continue to shoot around 40% from three, good luck. Okay, his efficiency from the mid-range dropped a little bit, um, but who cares when the three-point percentage goes up that much? Um, on the season, he's now at 39% shooting from 10 to 16 feet away, um, which is not great. Uh, his shooting percentage from 16 feet to the three-point line went from 50% to 40%. Got to be honest, as I said, not too, too panicked about that. The NBA is still a league where you want your players shooting layups and threes. And in Wimby's second week of his NBA career, he was efficient in both of those areas. If that three-point shot continues to fall the way that it did this past week, good luck, NBA defenders. You're going to have a really rough time. Number two, rim protection slash defense. Um, This was ranked one last week. I called this category rim protection last week. Then my buddy Colt Booth reached out and was like, you could just, you know, call it defense since you just talked about his defense the entire time. And so, yeah, he's right. Thank you, Colt. So now this is going to be known as defense, not just rim protection. His defense has been spectacular. It's still where he makes his biggest impact. If you missed the Spurs game against the Raptors, and you can, go back and watch it. Okay, Wimby swatted OG Ananobi's shot attempts. Like how a dad... Swats, a, swats his four-year-old son's shot attempts to remind him who his daddy is. I mean, it was really impressive. He made OG Ananobi a highly sought-after player ineffective. I mean, it was really impressive. Um, he's continued to block shots at all three levels. He's blocked multiple three-point shots again this week. I mean, this is, I think, the most polished part of his game, and he's going to continue to be an elite rim protector for as long as he plays in the NBA. I mean... It's been really, really impressive just seeing everything that he does on the defensive end so far. Um, Yeah, he's been really good. Number one, alien ability. This really feels like a continued talk on the defense that Wimby played because, as I said earlier, there hasn't been any, like, you know, crazy poster or anything. But the ground he covers when blocking a lot of these shots is insane because a lot of times he's coming off the ball, and there are a lot of tall, athletic big guys in the NBA but not all of them block shots, and none of them block shots the way that Wimby does already. Uh, his instincts, I think, have been really impressive, knowing as to when roam away from the, uh, knowing when to roam away from the guy he's guarding to try and grab a block versus knowing when to stay at home. It also just feels like it doesn't miss. Okay, like when he tries to block a shot, it gets blocked. There's no floating the ball over his hand or bumping him, you know, to create enough space to get a shot off. That doesn't happen. If he's in the vicinity and he wants to block the shot, then he's going to. He's going to be a generational defender. That is undeniably obvious through the first seven games of Wimby's career. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I've got on Wimby, man. The first seven games have been so incredible to watch. We're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to get, we're going to get into another young player who is progressing very well. I can't wait to talk about this guy. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more shooting the Schmidt. The player that I want to also want to cover today, another young player who is showing a lot of progression, is Scotty Barnes. He's gotten off to an awesome start. And if this great start continues, 
then he is the future in Toronto. I mean, he was the fourth overall pick three years ago in 2021. He's on pace for the best season of his career. After a disappointing second season, he didn't improve after winning Rookie of the Year. And look, in case you forgot, he won Rookie of the Year over Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley. These are three young players people really, really like. After last year, Barnes not really improving. He kind of faded into the background. But man, he has come on really strong to start this year. And coming out of Florida State, Barnes projected as a defensive specialist. Uh, But if he continues producing the way offensively that he has been, he's going to be much, much more than that. The Raptors this year have entrusted him a lot more with the ball. Okay, opposed to his previous two years. And it's paying off. His usage rate has gone from 19% in his rookie year to 20% last year to 26% this season. And he's capitalizing on these extra opportunities. Look at his progression here over these three years. So year one and year two, he averaged 15.3 points per game. Year three, he's up to 23 points a game. Year one and year two, he averaged somewhere between 12.5 and 13 shots a game. This year, he's at 17 shots a game. The field goal percentage has also gone up. He was at 49% his rookie year, 47% his second year, which is, you know, that's very acceptable. He's at 51% this year. He's shooting the ball much better. The rebounds have gone up. He's averaging 10 rebounds a game. The assists have gone up. Okay, He's at six assists a game now as opposed to five and four his uh, first two years in the league. And then... The three-point shots, this is really where I get excited. His rookie year, he shot thirty. He shot about 30% from three on about two-and-a-half three-point attempts a game. His second year, he got worse. He shot 28% from three on three attempts a game. And then this year, he's shooting 42% on five-and-a-half attempts a game. It's not just all that his numbers are up. It's the efficiency. He came into the league with a lot of Draymond Green comparisons, which makes a lot of sense. Barnes is 6'8 with a 7'3 wingspan. Draymond Green is like 6'7 with like a 7'1 wingspan. Uh, Very similar to Green. He's got the foot speed and the quickness to defend guards along with the strength and the length to bother these bigger players. And look, Scotty Barnes is a guy who can defend all five positions. But the offensive output has been so much better. Imagine if Draymond Green was a consistent three-point shooter through his career. The Warriors would have been so much better offensively than they already are. And that is who Barnes could be. Do you remember in uh, 2015-2016, the year that the Warriors won You know the 73 games, that was Draymond Green's best year shooting the ball from three. He shot 38%. That's really good. Every other year he's been around like 33%. And that was the best offensive year for the Warriors because of Draymond Green and his ability to shoot the basketball. And that is what Scotty Barnes is. He's very capable of making plays out of the short roll. He's very capable of initiating the offense. He's rebounding well, so he's able to grab the rebound and go like Draymond Green does and then create mismatches in the half court. And because of the passing, he's able to find OG Ananobi and Dennis Schroeder and these other guys to take advantage of those mismatches. But the one thing that Draymond Green could never do is score the basketball. And Scotty Barnes is doing that at an efficient clip. And Draymond Green's a Hall of Famer. That's what Draymond Green is as a defender, rebounder, and facilitator. Now we're getting the defending, the rebounding, and the facilitating. 
plus more scoring. I mean, Scotty Barnes is he's he's going to be awesome. He's projecting so well right now. Now look, it is only seven games, but I'm telling you now, I would start buying or rebuying your Scotty Barnes stock. The kid looks really good. He's figured things out on the offensive end. The defensive end, not as big of a deal um, in terms of like development because he's been a pretty solid defender since he entered the league, uh, just with the length and everything. Buy Scotty Barnes stock. I've got beachfront property on, on Scotty Barnes. I, Island as of right now, I mean, the kid is going to be awesome. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into the ESPN Top 25, Under 25 list. So, yeah. Don't, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. So ESPN top 25, under 25 list. That happened yesterday. Um, can't wait to get into it. I love these lists. I was going to make my own list whenever they made theirs. And I was like, you know what? Let's just react to theirs. I'll just tell you what I would do differently. Uh, the only person I think this list is missing is Jabari Smith Jr. And I will tell you who I would replace him with here in a minute. So let's start at number one. Luka Doncic, that's who ESPN put there, and that's exactly who they should put there. Generational scorer, going to be in the league for a long time, going to score, you know, 30,000 points, I think, pretty easily, as long as he stays healthy, which hasn't been an issue so far. Number two, they've got Anthony Edwards, followed by Victor Wembanyama at three. I got to be honest, I would flip them, but I have no issue with them putting Edwards ahead for now. He's a dynamic scorer who looked awesome over the summer playing for Team USA. He's improved on the defensive end. I just think that Wimby is a a once-in-a-lifetime defender who's going to be a great offensive player, while Edwards is going to be a great scorer for a long time and just, you know, an above-average defender, just doesn't project super well as a defender. That's why I'd flip him, but as I said, I have no issue with him leaving Ant at two. Number four, this is where things get interesting. Number four, they have Tyrese Halliburton, point guard for the Pacers. And when this first, you know, popped up on my radar, it felt high. But I've watched the Pacers a lot this year, really over the last two years, and I don't think this is high anymore. I don't. He's a six foot seven Chris Paul who can consistently knock down threes. He's one of the best playmakers and shooters in the NBA. He hasn't had a season where he's shot under 40% from three. He is an elite shooter of the basketball, and he's an elite playmaker with the size and the length to defend. He's going to be awesome for a long time. He finishes around the rim pretty well, too. Love him at four. Five, six, seven, and eight are properly grouped together. I think I would change the order. So at five, they have John Morant. Six, Cade Cunningham. Seven, Zion Williamson. And at number eight, Darius Garland. And it's hard to really discuss John Morant right now because we haven't seen him yet this season. But so far, he's a hyper-athletic guard who can't shoot. And hyper-athletic guards don't win or last very long in the NBA. I would move Garland, Williamson, and Cade all in front of him. Zion is just as athletic and a bigger body. Cade and Garland both shoot the ball better, and I think they create better than John Morant does. Now, John Morant's fun. People love him because of, you know, the different highlights that he brings and he puts on our our social media feeds, but let's be honest, like, Russell Westbrook, like, that has to be the comp, does it not? Hyper-athletic guard who never really won anything, and... I think that's what we're going to see with Ja. Like, he's had good players around him in Memphis. Um, 
but they haven't won a ton because of his inability to shoot the basketball. And if he's never able to develop that, then I don't know how you can say that he belongs above Cade Cunningham or Zion Williamson or Darius Garland just due to the the type of player that he is. I love Cade. He's awesome, great facilitator, wants to facilitate, very capable scorer. We know what Zion is. Darius Garland, you know, a little smaller than what I would like, but excellent shooter of the basketball, very good facilitator, another guy who wants to get his teammates involved. Um, so, yeah, I would drop John Morant on this list, pr- probably to eight. Number nine, they have LaMelo Ball. I'd move him down as well. He's not as athletically gifted as some of these players that are behind him, um, like Maxi and Becaro. I don't think he's the same level defender as guys like Scotty Barnes, Chet Holmgren, or Evan Mobley. Uh, so I would move him down for that. Also, he's gotten off to a really bad start this season. Maybe that's affecting my judgment a little bit, but I don't think he belongs in front of any of some of these. But behind, I don't think he belongs in front of Tyrese Maxey, Evan Mobley, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bencaro, Scotty Barnes, or Franz Wagner. Honestly, I don't know if I'd put him in front of uh, Jalen Williams with the with a, with Oklahoma City Thunder. He should definitely not be number nine on this list. Another guy who shouldn't be shouldn't be this high on this list. Number 10, Jaron Jackson Jr., way too high. He's not a big enough offensive threat to be ranked in the top 10. Okay, all those guys that I just listed are way better offensively, and this is an offensive league. I get that Jaron Jackson Jr. has won a defensive player of the year. That is great for him. He's a very good defender. But offensively, he has to be set up. He can't get his own shot like a lot of these guys that are sitting behind him. I would drop him pretty substantially down to like 20-ish, somewhere around 20. Somewhere, you know, where he can be by, you know, the uh, the Walker Kesslers of the world. Number 11, these guys I've got grouped together. 11, Tyrese Maxey, 12, Evan Mobley, 13, Chet Holmgren, 14, Paolo Bancaro, 15, Scotty Barnes, who I just highlighted, love his game, and 16, Franz Wagner. I love all six of these players. As I just said, I'd move all of them in front of Jaron Jackson Jr. and LaMelo. But I would put Ben Caro at the top of these players. Simply because of the size, the offensive creation ability. He was the rookie of the year last year. He's 6'10", 250 pounds, can put it on the deck. When I really think we're going to see the jump from Ben Caro that we're expecting is when they play him more at the center spot because there's not a center in the league who can guard Paolo Ben Caro. There isn't one. Uh, then I would have Chet Holmgren follow. He's gotten off to a great start shooting the basketball defensively. He's awesome. He is everything that the Thunder need right now. I think Tyrese Maxey has been great as the primary ball handler in Philadelphia. This should have happened last year. Uh, but now that James Harden's gone, Maxey can actually do what he does. Scoring effectively, shooting the ball efficiently, not turning the basketball over. He's had several you know, eight-assist games with one or less turnovers. It's been really impressive watching Maxi step into this bigger role in Philadelphia. I would have him follow Holmgren. And then I have Scotty Barnes due to the improved shooting and obviously the, the defense that he he provides, followed by Franz and then Mobley. I put Mobley at the bottom here just because he hasn't shown as much offensively as these other guys have. He's a very special defender uh, with his ability to defend multiple positions. He is why the Cavs can do what they do defensively. Uh, but the offense just hasn't been there as much as it has for these other guys. Uh, 17, I've got, you know, that's 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 where they've got Jalen Williams out of Oklahoma City. Big, athletic, love it when he gets downhill. 
The jump shot has to improve, though, to be mentioned with the other top scorers and players under the age of 25. 18, Josh Giddy, very similar boat, very similar boat to Jalen Williams. Love the size, love the finishing, great playmaking ability. Just has to shore up the jump shot and the defense to be with, you know, the Tyrese Halliburtons and Cade Cunningham's of the world. Number 19, this is where they have Jalen Green, which I think is utterly ridiculous. I think it's absolutely insane. I don't know how Jalen Green can be ranked above uh, Alperin Sangoon. I don't. I don't get this. This truly perplexes me. If you watch the Rockets, then you know that the Rockets run more of their offense through Sangoon than they do Jalen Green. Okay, I get that. You know, Jalen Green's numbers have been pretty decent throughout his career. But he's just been the guy who takes the most shots on a bad team. That's what he's been. The playmaking isn't there. He's just, you know, a pretty good scorer who's athletic, whereas Sengun can score, but he can also pass and set up his teammates. That's why he's the focal point of the offense and not Jalen Green. The fact that more offenses ran through Sengun and he's ranked below Jalen Green is utterly ridiculous. It's just, I, mm. Number 20, Walker Kessler. I got to be honest, he feels like Rudy Gobert. A great regular season defender who gets played off the court in the playoffs due, due to a lack of foot speed and switchability. That's, I think, what his future is. 21, they put uh, Jalen Duran. I put him in front of Kessler. There's no doubt about that just because of the increased athleticism that you get from him. He's off to a really good start in Detroit as well. Also the youngest guy on this list, I believe. Uh, it's, it's him or, or, or Wimby or Scoot, I guess. But yeah, like an absolute beast at, at a young age. He's really, I think, benefiting from playing with Cade, but he's been awesome. I definitely move him in front of Walker Kessler. Number 22, they put Tyler Hero. He's been awesome to start the year. Um, he should be ranked at least 18th after Williams. He's a three-level scorer who's showing an improvement in his playmaking this season. He's averaging a career-high in assists. He's shooting the ball extremely well, averaging a career-high in points. He's a complete offensive player now. And there just there aren't that many players who are as complete as he is on the offensive end. If you want to knock him for the defense, that's fine. But offensively, you're going to be hard-pressed to find 25-year-olds who are as good as he is. Number 23, they put Scoot Henderson. And this bothers me. Because he's been awful to start the season. He's shooting 9% from 3. Okay? There's a lot of hype around him. The fact that he is on this list... And not Brandon Miller's ridiculous, considering how much better Brandon Miller has been to start this year. And, you know, I I, hyped, I, I hit on this earlier. Hyper-athletic guards don't last. And that is what Scoot Henderson is. He can't shoot the ball. He's going to have to work on that in order to, to, I think, even be worthy of being on this list. Once again, the fact that Brandon Miller isn't on this list and Scoot Henderson is is annoying, and it completely ignores the history that we've seen throughout the NBA. Big wings who can shoot the basketball play in the NBA for a long time, and that is what Brandon Miller is. Small guards who are hyper-athletic do not. They're fun. They pop up on our show, on our, our on our you know Twitter feeds and stuff, and like that's cool, but that's not how you win basketball games. And Scoot Henderson shouldn't be on this list, and Brandon Miller most definitely should be. Number 24, Keegan Murray. I think he should be higher on this list. Talk about big guys who can shoot the basketball. He was really good last year, uh, really since he entered the league. Uh, he's gotten off to a slow start this year. I think he's going to correct it, though. He's never going to be a star, but he's always going to be a player that you want and you have confidence in. And then 25, they put 
uh, Sengun, uh, who I you know already covered with Jalen Green. Sengun should definitely be higher. So that is ESPN's list. That's my reaction to it. Uh, that's going to do it for the pod. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, we always do hoops on Wednesday. So if you want to hear more from me on hoops, follow along. Mondays and Fridays, it's a lot of football, so it's nice to kind of take a break from that to cover the NBA and eventually some college basketball. No big games have happened yet. I know Michigan State lost. Outside of that, though, nothing really crazy has happened. We don't know who's good yet. As I kind of get a feel of who's good and who's not, we, we'll, we'll do some college basketball. So that's going to do it here at Shooting with Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. Make sure to follow, like, subscribe, you know, rate, five stars, all that fun stuff. That would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, once again, have a good one. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you again on Friday. <laughs>